welcome to episode 71 of the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J Bunny. Well, everybody, for this episode, we have brought back the roundtable format, and this time we are discussing the Trinity of Terror tour, which is the what we were supposed to do on the last episode. So rejoining me for this episode are Charlie and Eli, and then we also have Jarl joining us for this episode, who also attended the show with us unfortunately some of the other people in our group when we went to the show were unable to join us for this episode and we did want to get it done so similarly to the last episode before we get into the discussion we are going to jump into a song from one of the bands that was on the tour in this case the opening act Lilisar, from the album created from filth and dust this is the song 100 little deaths and then we'll be right into our conversation
What's up, everybody? It is Jay Bunny. I am once again here at home, once again bringing you a roundtable discussion. Uh, if you listen to the last episode, you will remember my cohorts on that episode. Charlie. Say hi, Charlie. Hello. And Eli. <laughs> Howdy. And joining us as well today for this discussion is Jarl. Say hello, Jarl. French fry, it is I. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. <laughs> So uh, we had a couple of other uh, guests who unfortunately could not join us today. We are talking, though, about a concert that we went to about a month and a half ago at this point, the Trinity of Terror Tour, which was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on the 16th. Is that correct, everybody? Yeah, the yeah. 16th. I think so, yeah. Which was featuring Motionless in White, Ice Nine Kills, and Black Veil Brides as the three co-headlining acts and opening band Lilith Czar. So... We had all decided to go, and it was funny how it came about, because when we had first started hanging out, Charlie and, and Jarl and I, last fall, as we talked about last episode, Charlie went to their first concert in November, Black Veil Brides, and had enjoyed it. And so I said, good, because I go to shows all the time, and if we're going to be hanging out and such, you know, you kind of can't avoid it. And so we should we should sort of see each other's favorite bands when we have time to do so. And so right after that, we had found out that Godsmack, which is one of my favorite bands, and Black Veil Brides were touring. Well, not even touring together. They were doing like select shows for different regional radio stations together. And I was like, all right, well, we got to go to that. And then what was it like maybe a week or two after that? I don't even think it was a week. I think it was like four days later. <laughs> it was like not too long after we bought tickets to that, they announced the Trinity of Terror tour. And I, at that point, hadn't really listened to Black Veil Brides at all, but was a big fan of Ice Nine Kills because of the song Great Mistake. And I remember Jarl had uh, said that he had really liked Motionless and White. So I figured that was like a perfect storm of like a, at least one band that each of the three of us liked to go see. Uh, and then Eli came along with us, Ren came along with us, and uh, your friend Sarah came along with us as well. Well, not along, we all kind of met up, but. Yeah. I guess the first question, <laughs> yeah. you know, Charlie, we had gotten really in, in, involved in the last episode about Black Veil because they were your first concert and favorite band and, and what have you. So we kind of already know anybody that's listened to that episode kind of already knows how you got into Black Veil Brides. But how did you get into Ice Nine Kills and Motionless and White? It was interesting. Ice Nine Kills, I hadn't listened to like at all, really, until like the tickets came up. But I had heard of them because for some reason, Spotify is convinced that if you're a Black Veil Brides fan, Ice Nine Kills is the same sound. They're wrong, but they think they are. <laughs> like, the fans are kind of a Venn diagram, but, like, they don't sound the same. But, so I had heard, like, a couple songs, but as I wasn't someone who liked horror movies at all, I didn't get any of the references from any of their songs. So I was kind of just like, eh, this is all right. But then I got really into them pretty heavily because I just liked the sound because I refer to them as musical theater kid metal because that's just what it is. Um, and so I got into them a little bit, like probably November, December-ish. And I didn't really start listening to Motionless and White until January before the show. And I fell in love with them because I really like all things creepy, goth, sexual, spooky music. And Motionless and White is that with a little bit of flair for the dramatic, which is my favorite thing in the world. So I kind of got really into them because I had bought the tickets. I was like, oh, I should have an understanding of the other bands on the the docket here. 
And so I had listened to those and now they're probably those three bands are like my top three bands overall. So Right. I remember when you were starting to hear them and, and I remember you'd sent me a message at one point that just, uh, about Ice Nine Kills just saying, wow, a hip to be scared slaps. Was, was a message you sent at some <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah, I think I was at work and I heard it and I was like, damn, this shit slaps. And then, and then, Jarl, what, what about you? Because, like I said, going into this, you know, Motionless was sort of, you know, your band more than more than either of mine or, or Charlie's. How, how did you come to discover them and the other two bands? Well, the first band that I knew about that was on the tour was Black Veil, because in middle school I would listen to all like this '80s hair metal crap. And then one of I made some friends with the Weirdos, and one of my friends sent me the Black Veil Bride's Perfect Weapon music video. I was like, oh my god, music can sound like this? This is amazing! And it was that was like my introduction to like heavier music, and it kind of just went down a rabbit hole. Because after watching Black Veil Brides for so long and being a big fan of them, I was listening to Asking Alexandria and other bands that are like that, and I came across one video called Upon This Dawning, uh, and it featured Chris Motionless for Motionless and White, and it's him in like a suit in a junkyard, I'm like, he looks awesome. Well, I want to see what other bands he's in. And so I found Motionless and White. And the first song I heard from them was Abigail. And I would practice, and the word loosely practice, uh, metal vocals to that song because I loved it so much. And they had a much heavier sound to them that just scratched my brain a lot. And I loved it. I heard about Ice Nine, but I never gave them a listen. I just heard them in passing. So they were a nice treat. You didn't even really listen to them until after the show. Yeah. Because, like, like, I put them on, and you're like, eh, they're all right. Yeah, they weren't my my flavor, but they were, like, one or two songs that whenever Charlie puts them on in the car, I'm like, this shit, this shit is great. But Motionless and White and Black Veil were my uh, two main ones. But, yeah, no, they're just fun, spooky bitches. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough. And then, then Eli, what about you? How did you get involved in liking these bands? Well, it took me until after I started listening to Ice Nine to, like, listen to Black Veil and Motionless. But the reason I started listening to Ice Nine was because around the time that we got the tickets, Charlie was like, hey, so I don't really watch horror movies, but I know you watch horror movies. You should listen to this band who has a lot of horror-themed stuff. And I, like... You know, I like to do this thing where I will listen to an album straight through and I will have the lyrics pulled up on the side so I can, like, process what they're saying because my ears suck. But I listen to them and I remember in the first song of The Silver Scream texting them like, hey, I'm starting The Silver Scream and then going, holy crap, they interpolate the theme song to A Nightmare on Elm Street. And then I was hooked. I think I remember, like, when you were listening to The Silver Scream and Welcome to Harwood, I'm pretty sure you, like, live texted me every song you were listening to and what you were losing your mind over. I I think pretty much. And I think I was talking to you at the time and getting that play-by-play secondhand. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) It's just a chain of Eli listens to Ice Nine Kills. Yeah. But yeah, and then because I am obsessed with all things horror, Charlie was able to understand some of these neat little references that, you know, they hadn't gotten before. 
And then how about the other bands, the Black Veil and, and uh, Ice Nine Kills? Or uh, not Ice Nine Kills, Motionless Light. Probably a few months after listening to Ice Nine on repeat, I finally like kicked it in gear and I was like, okay, I have to do this for Black Veil. Because before that, I had li- I had seen the, the Wretched and Divine music videos because Charlie has that DVD. So I was like, I already know that I enjoy the music. I already know that it's it's good. I just have to sit down and actually listen through it. So I think it took me like two days to to do it the way I like to do it, which is listening to it and reading the lyrics. And then Motionless, I actually didn't get to until after the concert, just because I like needed, I need such big gaps between listening through albums like that for some reason. But after I did the motionless one, it's like, okay, no, I see the point. I, I understand why Charlie loves all three of these things. And now they're my boys, too. Okay. All right. Exactly. I love that we all just talk about them like they're the boys, you know? Like, they're like our <laughs> well, friends down the street. It's great. They are the boys. Well, so for me, <laughs> I uh, I had sort of been exposed to, and we've talked about this a bit, you know, off the show uh, Charlie and I, but I had been exposed to Black Veil Brides just through like having merch and videos on and Hot Topic and stuff and just hating the way that they looked and wanting nothing to do with them at all. And, <laughs> and uh, my friend, my you know, my friend Jay, who, who's been on the show a few times, PBJ, Pretty Boy Jay, he was really into them and other bands of that ilk, but I, I never really, I never really got into them until meeting charlie and and seeing them and and being shown the the wretched and divine videos and what have you and really enjoying the sound i had heard some of the andy black solo stuff on octane when it was coming out and getting airplay on there but never i don't really it doesn't stick out in my mind one way or the other as whether i liked it or or didn't but i really enjoyed the black veil stuff after i gave it a chance and and now own two of the cds with ice nine kills Anybody that that sort of knows the the New York New Jersey music scene is probably familiar with Tim Number Thirty Seven, who is like best friends with Mistress Julia and used to be used to work with her at uh, at Fuse on Uranium, and has since gone on to do a lot of show promotion in the New York City and New Jersey like North Jersey music scene. And he was really really into. Ice Nine Kills for a while, and because of the nature of what Tim does, when I first heard him talking about them on social media, I thought that they were just a local band that he was helping to promote, because I'd never heard of them before, and Tim kept talking about them, and that was kind of the only place I was hearing about them, and I was like, oh, they must just be in the scene, in the area, I'm sure I'll catch them at some point. And then I went into Best Buy and saw every trick in the book on the shelf at Best Buy, I was like, what's that band Tim keeps talking about? what the hell is their record doing in Best Buy? That's weird. And and just kind of moved on. And then when Silver Scream came out, A Grave Mistake was a single. I don't know if it was the first single, but it was the first single from it that I heard on Octane. And they made a big deal about how it was based on The Crow, which is my favorite movie. And I was like, all right, let's hope that they don't fuck this up. Because I wasn't <laughs> familiar with their sound. And I really don't like bands that that like there are some bands with like brutal or unintelligible vocals that i can get behind but for the most part i need to understand what you're saying and since i wasn't familiar with the band i was like i hope that this doesn't suck 
and I heard the song and it was really good. And then some of the other singles were getting play on Octane. I bought the like special edition, like the re-release, the final cut version of Silver Scream. I didn't buy it when it first came out, but then they were like, oh, we're doing this final cut release that's going to have some extra songs and it's going to have all the music videos. And it was this weird clusterfuck where I ordered it. And it was way before COVID, but it kept getting hit with all these weird production delays. And they had said that when you bought it, you were going to get like a download of the full album immediately. And I never got that. So I waited like a year after I ordered it to finally get the thing, but really, really enjoyed it. And then with Motionless and White, I have never listened through a whole album of theirs, even even now, but became familiar with them through Airplay on Octane. And then they had played a show, and I believe the lineup of the concert was Slipknot, Lamb of God, Motionless and White, and Bullet for My Valentine. And me and Casey went, and we took her nieces to the show because one of them was really into Motionless, and one of them was really into Bullet for My Valentine. So we went to that. I saw them there. And I've always really enjoyed them. I've just never kind of taken the deeper dive of buying an album or listening through one as of yet. I will certainly get around to that, especially with you guys in my life. I'm sure that it's unavoidable. Yeah, well, seeing as they're on the list of whenever they're in the area, so... You're going to have to hear more of them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I don't object. I, I enjoy them. I just, you know, it's like a perfect example, uh, Killswitch Engage. Killswitch Engage is a band that I love. And just with how much music is coming out and how much just goes on in the world, right? So, like, I haven't, I haven't bought Killswitch Engage's probably last three albums, not because I didn't want to. I just haven't gotten around to it yet, you know, and so and so it, it's this weird thing where, you know, they changed singers and they got their original singer back and they've put out a couple, you know, they put out some albums with him. And I haven't gotten any of the albums since he's been back in the band, since Jesse's been back in the band. And I'll do it. I just haven't had the time. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. So this is how we've all sort of gotten to know of the bands and such. So. You know, Charlie, you had seen Black Veil before. I had seen Motionless and Ice Nine before because PBJ and I had gone to see Ice Nine. I want to say it was in November or December of 2021. It was November. It was like a week after. No, it was two weeks after I saw Black Veil because then we had the overkill and then it was the Ice Nine show. Okay. All right. So there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So <laughs> they so I had seen them. I'd seen those two bands before. Um, I wanted. I want to know what you guys thought of the actual show, as far as because they had built the show as a all three bands playing headlining sets, and we weren't even sure if there was going to be an opener. And then later on, they had said there was going to be an opener, which wound up being Lilizar, which is Andy from Black Veil's wife's band. And then, and I noticed at the show and then looking up the set list afterwards that, I mean, I guess you could call these headlining sets, but all of the sets were shorter than when the bands had been in the area previously. And so I was just wondering how you guys felt about that and what you thought of the actual show and, and seeing them all together. And also Lilisar, we haven't really mentioned them at all yet, what you guys thought of that band. I mean, for me, I found, because I have such limited experience with concerts, it felt like it went fast, but it, for me, each set didn't feel like it went any faster than like other times I'd seen bands perform. I think the only band that felt like it took forever because it kind of did was when we saw Godsmack. That was like a two hour set. But like every other time I'd seen them, 
even if it wasn't like 45 minutes to an hour, it felt like that. So for me, the sets, I know a lot of people were complaining online about it, but for me, I didn't notice much of a difference on like how long they were. And I, I still felt like I got like a good amount. I think Motionless is the only one that like, I know they played the same amount as the other two bands, but it felt like they played shorter because, and this is another thing that I know a lot of people did kind of like whine about. I am not like my favorite songs from Motionless and White are not their big headliners like uh, Another Life, Eternally Yours, those songs. I like them, but I don't think they're the best ones to perform live. I much prefer some of the, you know, more fun, wild ones. Like I know some of the a couple of tours ago, they used to play uh, Undead Ahead 2 from the Disguise album, which is one of my favorite songs because it's super spooky and fun. So I felt like there was like three songs that were of the same ilk of like eternally yours and another life. And I felt like it took up too much of the set because it felt very like it slowed down the whole thing. And since they were the last ones to perform for the night, kind of felt like it slowed down the momentum. And then they like tried to pick it up again and it just felt a little odd, but like, that was like my only like kind of complaint, if you could call it that of the shows, but I was actually pleasantly surprised with Lil Zar, though, because I listened to her album like before because I was like, OK, I've been a fan of her for many years back when she was on The Voice. I was like, I hadn't heard her new stuff. And there was a couple songs that I have personal issues with because of my own problems. <laughs> but like I, I was just like, I don't see how this makes sense to open for this massive tour. And when I saw her live, it actually did make sense to me. She did get the audience hyped up and do what an opener is supposed to do, which was pleasantly surprising because I didn't think she'd be able to do it from her album. Like, I just felt like it, there was too much of a disconnect. All right. And, and what about uh, Eli and Yarl? What did you guys think? So I loved it because I love concerts in general. I'm very much the kind of person who, like, even if a concert isn't necessarily good in the moment, I will be obsessed with it. And all of the bands have such a massive stage presence that it's insane to see these people walk on stage and know exactly what they're going to do and exactly how they're going to do it. And I could feel it like rile me up. But honestly, I can't say anything about Motionless's crowd because I got sick after Ice Nine. So I wasn't in the crowd for Motionless because I went back in the crowd I was gonna pass out so I just kind of watched them from the back but for Black Veil and Ice Nine it felt like unless you were in the pit the crowd was just kind of stagnant and not moving and it was so weird because all of the concerts that I had been to up until that point aside from like maybe one or two stadium shows uh almost all of my concerts had been gen admission pop punk shows and if you've ever been in a pop punk crowd holy shit they're insane so i don't know if it's like a special thing of pop punk people are just insane no matter what part of the crowd you're in or like maybe the crowd at trinity was just dull and wary to like start pushing into people but it was just it was weird because I was fully prepared to be packed in like a sardine with people bumping into me and trying to get ahead of me the way that you know people do at neck deep and and trophy eyes and 
creeper and all of that. And then I wasn't. See, I felt like I was, in fact, packed in like a sardine. But again, I don't have that much like long history of going to concerts. And I was like, I know Chris and Spencer both talked about it on Twitter for a few days after that the Philly show was like really, really dangerous for the crowds. And it was like there was a lot of injuries, a lot of people getting concussions and stuff like that. And like they were like stressed out for the crowd. So like I would be a little scared if it was any more intense. We were pretty close to each other the entire time. Yeah. Like I know that there was two people next to me and I felt really bad because people were moving through the crowd near where I was. And my hands kept just brushing up against people. Like, I hope to God I am not, like, accidentally groping someone because, like, people were shoulder to shoulder where I was. But I think that, I mean, that happens. And as long as it's not, you know, as long as it's actually accidental, it doesn't matter. I know, like, one time Casey and I were at a show at Dingbats and Jose Mangan and his wife Melissa were there. And I'm fairly certain, if I'm remembering correctly, that Casey's hand like accidentally touched Melissa's ass. And it was just, it's just the nature of being at a show. But yeah, no. So I thought that the show was pretty cool. Black Veil Brides, I had liked the longest out of all three. And it was really cool to see them as close as we were to the stage. And then whenever me and Charlie went to go get Jake's best, it seemed to, to scale. How tall these people really are <laughs> is great to me. Yeah. Because we were so close that seeing Jinx fucking shredding and then they had the like the smoke cannons go off and watching Andy like stand in the way of the smoke and then like walk out of it and all the smoke was like pulling off Man, of his terrifying. jacket and his like <laughs> all the spikes on his jacket. It was great. Born again? No, they didn't. Oh. Uh they didn't get around to it this tour. I will say the Born Again and most of their songs for me, seeing them live, they hit so much harder. Yeah. So much harder than listening to them. I didn't stay in the crowd for Einstein. I was actually out in the lobby who I made some friends and I got to talk to Lilazar's drummer. She was really cool. And then I went back into the crowd for Motionless. Chris, Motionless, is terrifying. <laughs> Not close. Man, Man is just a beast of a dude. He was it was really cool to see these guys up close. I think that the show was something that I won't won't forget. And see that one of the best shows I do. <laughs> I would say that 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 being in awe of their their physicality or their stature, their you know their physical stature, uh, that that's something coming from you because you're you're kind of a large person yourself. You're very tall. I'm, I mean, yeah. He's literally the same height as Chris, so it's really funny that he's intimidated by Chris because he's the same height as him. Look, Same build structure, too. The thing is, <laughs> is that being a fan of bands, and like, so I, I started going to concerts the same time Charlie did. Uh, the only one that I went to before Charlie was a Panic at the Disco one, and that was in a stadium. Mm. So I wasn't that close. But seeing these these musicians that I had followed for a long time up close was just surreal to me, because you only watch them through like a computer screen. So then you get there, and you're like, wow, man's a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, when we went to go meet Jake and Jinx, y'all are midgets. They were, I will say, seeing Jake and Jinx, I, like, I knew numerically what their height was thanks to Google, but, like, they were a lot shorter than I thought. And it, part of that is, and I, I 
heard this in interviews with some of the guys like Cece talked about it in a podcast once that in their photo shoots, they try to make all the guys look about the same height. And I even noticed in the two shows I've seen or the three shows I actually I've seen of Black Veil, Jake and Jigs tend to stand on really small risers when they're playing so that they look about the same height as Andy, which is wild because I think Jake is like 5'9 or 5'10". And Andy's 6'1", so, like, you don't think those couple inches make a difference, but, man, do they make a difference. Phrasing. <laughs> hey, we're Size talking doesn't about, matter. We're talking about men and in inches. What do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we move on, I do want to ask you, because you you and Jarl have referred to it a couple times, can you tell about how the, the meeting of, of Jake and Jinx, how that came about and, and what that entailed? So I have been given adult money by having a job, which has been a dangerous game for me, uh, as I've learned. And Jake (laughs) and Jinx both do this really, really cool thing where they sell their stage-worn vests. They sell, I think Jake tries to do two or three per show. I don't know if Jinx does more than one, but they sell their stage-worn vests. So they wear a vest on stage for at least part of the set. And then you go backstage and you can meet them. You get a signed set list, some uh, pics from that tour. And obviously the best and they'll sign it any way you want. And it's a really cool time to like get to know them and meet them. And I decided to do this kind of on a whim because I had a bad day at work, but I'm really happy I did it. And so I I did that and I got it figured out or like got emailed by one of their texts earlier in the day. And then basically after Blackville set, I had to go to this like side door and go backstage and like wait for that a whole organization of chaos to happen and i went back and i got to talk to jake who's super super sweet he's a really genuine guy who likes to just he just likes to talk especially when we you get him talking about like tech stuff and like their normal basis lenny eagleton had actually broken his leg early in the tour so they had a standard basis and yarl and i asked him if the guy who had filled in knew the songs beforehand or if he learned them overnight and he learned them overnight, basically, which is really impressive. But Blackville uses something called a Kemper that, like, it's different tuning that that bassist wasn't familiar with. So they had to, Jake was explaining this whole, like, really nerdy, intricate thing about how it worked. And he, you could tell he was super excited to talk about it, which was fun. So he signed my vest, or his vest that is now mine. And I was mentioning to him that I was planning on making my battle vest and I was going to embroider over his signature. And as I met the other guys, get their signatures embroidered into it. And Jinx obviously was doing his best. And Jake was super, super kind to just be like, hey, I could ask Jinx if, you know, he wouldn't mind taking a second. So I was lucky enough to also get Jinx's signature and meet him briefly. And then basically, as soon as that was done, I had to like put that in my little like hip sack so that I didn't lose the set list or the picks and then put the vest on so I didn't lose that. And then we went back to watch Ice Nine. So it was like really quick, but it was really, really meaningful to me. And my vest, I've now worn it to multiple shows. Anyone who sees me at a show, I will be wearing that vest because it is my most prized possession. It has all the patches from the shows that I've been to and like bands I've seen. So it's become really personal to me, but like, it's also really cool because it has the back of it says mourner with the logo, which is Jake's wretched and divine character, which if you listen to the last episode, I go on a whole thing about how much I love that album. So it was really fun to like have that piece. And I'm hoping to be able to get Jinx's in the future and hopefully get to meet the other guys at some point. You gotta get some uh, demolition hammer patches on that vest. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 uh, we do. 
Good lord. Also, speaking of uh, fill in fill in basis, shout out to Kyle LeBlanc from the band Through Fire who filled in for Blackfield Brides. I'm on glad that you looked up his name because all I could remember was Kyle. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I was. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big Kyle. fan. I'm a big fan of Through Fire, uh, and I really would like to speak to them on this show at some point you know somebody from that band because that that's an interesting like that band started out as a different band called emphatic and they released like two albums as uh, under that name and then when they were like all right we're working on a third album and it was like oh never mind we're a new band now and and they treat it as such like they don't play any emphatic songs on a through fire tour or anything it's just kind of a whole new thing but some of the members are the same so i'd really like to pick their brains about that whole thing i think it'd be really cool to get kyle and ask him about like filling in for black veil because i'd love to get his side of it and not just jake's side of it right right and uh, uh from what i saw from that uh that cameo uh lonnie is back with the band now yes he is he is back on stage as of their european tour he, they've been in germany and he's very excited to be back on tour like i've seen it from his instagram stories and also the cameo that you got me for my birthday he is so excited to be back on tour, and I'm really happy that he's back on tour because it is so clearly what he loves to do, and he was a fan of Black Bell before he was part of the band, so it's it's good seeing him back doing what he loves. Excellent, excellent. So I wanted to I wanted to mention Charlie. You touched on it a bit with with uh, with Lilisar. I did enjoy them live. We saw them. We've seen them twice now because uh, we saw them at that show, and then they opened also at the Godsmack Three Days Grace Black Veil Wage War show that we went to. Um, and I enjoy their music, but you know I don't really look on on forums or Reddit or anything like that. But I'm sure that I'm not the only one who who formulated this idea that that maybe you know. The, the singer's relation to the singer of Black Veil is why they landed that gig? I think a lot of people did guess that. But honestly, I'm not certain. Obviously, no one knows for, for sure. Um, I know previously they have kept their careers completely separate. Like the only time they ever have performed slightly together was there was like an award show because they did a cover that they actually recorded together. And they've done like when they were on warp tour, when Andy was doing Andy black, occasionally Juliet would come on and cause she did support vocals for some of those songs. And she's been on black veil albums before, like in wretched divide. she is on that album uh, as background vocals, but they've kept their careers extremely separate for a very long time. Most people didn't even know that she was on those records. So I actually don't think that it's that because of how far they've kept their careers apart. And like, I know when Andy Andy ended up being on The Voice when she was on The Voice only because, you know, your boyfriend is there because at the time they weren't married and they were like, oh, her boyfriend's supporting. But he had specifically been like, I don't want to be that rock star boyfriend, you know? So I don't think it was because of that. But also Lil Azar is on Sumerian Records, which is currently where Black Veil is. So I think it's more that they're on the same label rather than they're married. Okay. Because if that was the case, a lot of the other guys have partners that are in the music industry who don't get that so i and i also know that there's a lot of black fans who specifically don't like lilisar because she's married to andy and it's it's an odd thing that gets real weird and i think it's a strange decision that most people make but there are people who specifically don't like her and i know when she was announced as the opener i did see some people on reddit this is reddit being like, oh, I'm selling my Trinity of Terror tickets because I don't want to see her. 
which just seems ridiculous to me. Like, these are your later. three favorite bands, and you're just kind of not. Sounds well, like that's... you don't really like those three bands. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like the people that, you know, I always make reference, and, and, and you guys have never been, because you're, you're much younger than I, I always make reference to OzFest. And, you know, growing up, I mean, not growing up, but, you know, being in high school and college at the time that I was during the, the heyday of the OzFest, even if you didn't like Ozzy, it was just the thing to go to in the summer for it was the festival of the summer for all of the the metal bands and so i know a lot of people who didn't like ozzy who went to the oz fest anyway stayed the whole show and then just left when ozzy came on you know if you don't like the opening band just come a little later or or come on time and like barbecue in the parking lot or something come inside to the venue later so you still get a good parking spot like yeah, it was just, it was such a weird thing because I remember, like, I was seeing it, and at that time, I hadn't listened to her music at all yet, but I, I remember seeing a lot of people being so pissed off that she was the opener, and, like, I I think a lot of those people were like, oh, she's only there because her husband's, op- like, one of the headliners, because there's a lot of really gross things that people say about her, but that's because she's a, a woman in an alternative music scene, like, it's kind of expected. It's just still awful and shouldn't happen, but... It is something that you kind of deal with, especially on places like Reddit. But I did see a lot of people being like, I'm selling my tickets because I don't want to see her. I was like, that's really dumb. I was not (laughs) excited to see Lilazar. Like, her music is not something that I go for or, like, that I prefer. But whenever we went to go to the show and, like, watching her open, I'm like, okay, this is a lot different than just listening to it online or, like, anything. Because you still get a really cool live aspect. Like, Every she has music, a really good stage presence. Unless, you know, the person who's singing is out of tune and all the instruments sound like shit and it's just yeah. co- complete noise. It's still live music. Like, live music will always be so, like, will always be great because you see stuff in the moment. The songs aren't going to be the same because there was a hug pit. Instead of a mosh <laughs> yeah. pit, there were these dudes just hugging each other while she was singing. She stopped the song. I was like, is that a hug pit? And they're like giving her the thumbs up. And it was, it was a great energy to have. Yeah. Also drummer is amazing. And watching her just beat the crap out of her drum set was awesome. I, she was awesome to talk to and I'm still not over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, I, I enjoyed them. And I know, you know, Charlie, you had said before going to the show that you weren't sure it was a good fit for the show but then going changed your mind i know that before there was an opening act announced we were trying to figure out who it could have been and i was having a hard time coming up with any band that fit that sort of vibe that's still together like the the band that came to my mind was the band that, that chris motionless referred to as the you know the british motionless in white the defiled like i think that they would have been a good fit but for the fact that they're not together anymore taking nothing away from lilith's are because again the that was they were they were great at both times that we saw them oh, everybody what do you guys think would have been a good, another good fit for an opening act for the tour or or I... you know on the next leg of the tour if there is one I would absolutely love to have New Year's Day open for them, which I know New Year's Day is really close with Motionless and White. Like, they're really, really good friends. But I personally think that New Year's Day would probably be the best fit. And I don't know if that's just because, one, I really like them, but I think it would still fit that that aspect of, you know, let's add a woman-fronted group so that it's not just a boys' club. You know, let's have that representation, but also that band has that harder edge to it that's still really fun and spooky so that would be my vote and i would still love that if we get a second leg and new year's day wants to be the opener i would 
be so happy about that. Right, what did Yarl, Eli, do you guys have any uh, ideas? I think New Year's Day would be really good too, but I think also, I don't think that this will ever happen, but in my dreams, I can imagine it. I think another band that would be able to be remotely comparable in terms of stage presence and sheer vibes is Creeper. Okay. I think that they would just like, they would bring the right energy. And Creeper is, right now, I think they're actually opening for My Chemical Romance. But nice. Creeper is also fantastic as an opener for hyping up the crowd. You know, there is also another band that I would love to see open, but I don't think they're ready for it yet. Who's that? There's there's a band Who? called Dark Divine. I found them through TikTok. Currently, they only have three songs, so which, which is why I say, like, I don't think they're ready for it yet. I know they have another song coming out at the end of June, but, like, <laughs> you need at least six songs, I feel. But um, they are a band that got together mostly because of Motionless and White. They all did like a bunch of covers and stuff. But they're also musicians who have been session musicians before. So they have touring experience. Like I know one of the members used to play on stage opening for Avenged Sevenfold. I don't remember what band it was, but like he's played stadium shows. But that band has a super spooky thing. Like their first song was called Halloween Town. And it's super fun and spooky and like goth joyous music. And it, it's very much like Motionless and White's Undead Ahead to the Tale of the Midnight Ride. So I think they would be great as an opener. But as I said, because they are still very new to being a band in the music scene, like I think Halloween Town only came out like the end of last year. So like they've only been around for a very short while. But I think if they could get enough, they already have a pretty big following for being that new. But they'd be great if they had, like, the amount of songs to actually be able to do an opening set. I think that, personally, uh, I have to check. You, you, you've mentioned that band to me. i got to check them out. But I think that uh, another good fit would be Wednesday 13 or one of his other bands, like Gunfire 76. Or, I mean, he's got other bands that aren't together anymore. But uh, he's he's great. You know, and you know anybody that's familiar with Wednesday 13, or or is probably most well known for the Murder Dolls, which was a side project that he and Joey Jordison from Slipknot did. I think that he would be a good fit. You know how uh, for those of you that listen to the show, you know how I never uh, reveal a guest for the show until it's out. The reason for that is because sometimes it doesn't happen. Like one guest that had been booked for the show and 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 had to cancel day of because they didn't have time was Wednesday 13. So I'm hoping to still get him on the show at some point, but it was too busy with with meet and greets and stuff to have time for the podcast. And I understand, and it was still a great show. Saw them open for I believe they opened for Comedy Christ at the Stanhope House, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I think that Wednesday 13 or or Gunfire 76 would would fit the mold here. But like I said, we'll see if there's even another leg of the tour and and if they they make any changes to the opening spot or not. But yeah. The faith in the final lighting up the street singing for the dead confessing to the choir
was a great show. So I, I had mentioned before about the the set list. Looking at the set list, I, I pulled up the set list for all three of the of the main bands at the Trinity show in Philly and compared it to their last time they came through in a headlining show before that. So Ice Nine Kills came through in November. Blackville Brides came through in November. Motionless had come through in September. And and like I said, all of the sets were a little bit shorter, despite being billed as a triple headline. All the sets were a little shorter than their previous shows. So when Motionless played uh, the Starland Ballroom in New Jersey in September, they played a 13-song set versus a... 11 songs set at Trinity. Now, and it does look like there was differences. It doesn't look like they just took out a few songs. There were songs on the Trinity set that hadn't been in the September set, and, and obviously with more songs in the September set, there was there was stuff they didn't play, vice versa. But the same thing with the other bands. Black Veil did a 13-song set plus a drum solo in November versus a 10-song set at Trinity. Same thing, though. There was some some new things added to the set for Trinity versus their, their November set. And then Ice Nine played a 15 song set when me and PBJ saw them at Starland Ballroom in in uh, November versus a 11 song set at the Trinity show. Despite enjoying the show immensely, I know that as I mentioned before, one of my favorite, probably my my favorite Ice Nine Kill songs was Grave Mistake, which they did not play at Trinity. Now, was there stuff that you guys were hoping to hear at the Trinity show that we didn't get? Um, I know. For Black Veil, I wanted Born Again, and that they, they was supposed to happen on that tour, and it didn't, I think probably because of Lonnie's injury, but that song I did want to hear, and I was a little disappointed we didn't get more of the new album, because when I saw them in November, it was like, I, I want to say it was like a week after uh, The Phantom Tomorrow came out, and I was hoping that on Trinity of Terror tour, we'd get more of those songs, but the only songs they played from Phantom Tomorrow were songs that were singles and they had already played in November. So I was hoping to get some more of the Phantom Tomorrow songs, but overall it was happy. And I mean, I also would love to hear more of the the Bale songs, but I understand why they don't really play those live because a lot of those songs are really sad. Okay. I have to like, suddenly all of their um, songs are not in my head. So <laughs> you said, hey, what would you have liked to heard? And I'm like, that's a great question, Jason. It's Thank like, you so much for that. never played that a song ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would have. That's all I know. I don't think there's anything that I I would have. Like, I think I, I was perfectly content with the Black Veil set list. Motionless, I know why they didn't do it, but I would have loved to hear Masterpiece. Because yeah, who same. doesn't want to hear Masterpiece? I believe the reason for that, uh, Charlie, you had mentioned, was they were down a member of that tour as well. Yeah, yeah. Justin had to go home to uh, be there for his wife to give birth to their first child. Uh, so a completely understandable reason. But they didn't want to do the song without the full band. But like, I would have loved if like uh, Another Life was switched out for Masterpiece. Because I find it's got a little bit of a heavier end to it, at least. And... I, as much as I love Another Life, I do feel like it slows down the whole set too much. And then they try and pick it up and it gets a little odd. Like, at least Eternally Yours is the last song and it's like a nice wind down. But, like, Another Life just doesn't hit in the middle of the set for me. I love it, but not for live, in my personal opinion. What's funny is, is comparing the sets, it doesn't even look like Eternally Yours was in their set at their previous show. No, probably not. But they did start doing Eternally Yours as the end thing so that uh, Chris can give out the roses, which is like a big thing. 
honestly, I was pretty happy with all the stuff that was played. My thing is, is that there are songs that I enjoy from each band, but if I'm seeing them live, as long as I see them live, that's all I'm, my mind can focus on. But and I wasn't disappointed with anything. The only thing that I was sad about was, is that for Trendy of Terror, I didn't get to see Lonnie. Yeah. And I didn't get to see fucking Justin because I'm a bass player and I used to play bass guitar. Um, and then I played drum set for a little while, but I always love watching the bassists and listening to the bass lines because Blackfield Brides, they did play The Legacy, which is one of my favorite songs from them. And the bass line from that song is insane in the beginning. And I just, uh, when we saw Blackfield for the first time, Lonnie's standing up on the riser, legs spread as far apart as they'll go, just digging into it. And I wanted to see that again. And then I also wanted to see Justin with his all of his beautiful face paint in like spooky attitude yeah but all the songs i heard i thought were amazing even listening to ice nine out in the lobby i was like wow this this is cool this is amazing i was really happy worst vacation played because that song is so good yeah no i think from ice nine i personally and this is mostly because i have my own problems i would have loved to hear the jig is up that one like is I, really good. Like, I get why they might not play it, just because it's, like, not necessarily one of their most popular songs, and Saw is, is a bizarre franchise, to say the least, but that song, that song and Fly are so good. I would have liked to hear Freak Flag. Or did they play that one? No, I don't think they did. No. No. Yeah, because Freak Flag is also really good. Yeah. Like, it's a good anthemic one that, like, the entire audience could scream it with them. Yeah, the set list for Ice Nine for Trinity was uh, Welcome to Horrorwood, Worst Vacation, Hip to be Scared, Stabbing in the Dark, Rainy Day, It is the End, Take Your Pick, Ex Mortis, The Shower Scene, Funeral Derangements, and then they closed with American Nightmare. Yeah, I also... Take was one that I grew to like after seeing it. I hated that song before we saw it live, but now I kind of don't mind it. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to see the like any of the bands that we've seen so far live, and you love them more after. Yeah, you see them. yeah. I also because I'm like a big Icein fan. There's some from their previous albums that I like. I totally understand. It is a tour for Silver Scream and for Horrorwood, so of course they're not going to play songs from, you know, their their prior albums like Every Trick in the Book and Safe is Just a Shadow. But man. There are some songs from, like, Safe is Just a Shadow that I would love to hear live. See, the cool thing is that they do. They were still, A, they were still selling those albums, at least when, when PBJ and I saw them at Starland. They, I bought almost their entire discography at the merch booth. But they did have, there was at least one song that they played, and I'm trying to see which one it was. Communion of, oh, the, Communion Curse of the Curse was played at some of them. Yeah, that was, yeah. Played, that was played when, when I saw them. At uh, at Starland, uh, they played that from every trick in the book. It does make me sad though, because that's like the worst one on that album, in my opinion. Like yeah. it's a toss up between that and the Nature of the Beast, that are my least favorite on that album. You have not seen The Exorcist, have you? No, I have not. But I, I don't think... think seeing it would make me like that song more. I just want to see the movie <laughs> just in general because it looks interesting. I think it would be a movie that you would probably only watch once. Because it is a very good movie, but if it's, like, your favorite movie, there's you need to, like, get help, I think. <laughs> like, if you're watching The Exorcist every week, 
And this is coming from someone who like would watch it chapter two to calm down after a breakdown. Like if you're watching the exorcist for shit like that, Oh my God, you're built different and it's scary. Can I just say that? Cause I listened to some parts of the uh, previous podcast that you guys did talking about Marilyn Manson and now we're talking about The Exorcist, I watched an interview where he said that him and one of his friends used to go to the theater, sit up in the balcony, and during one of the barf scenes in The Exorcist, they would dump their drinks on people's heads down below. Oh, no. (laughs) Today's 4D experience got nothing on that. (laughs) Literally. God. Yeah, see, the worst thing I I ever did in the movie theater was get a (laughs) blowjob. Oh, same. <laughs> yeah, I think I think oh. for the set lists that like Blackmail's the one that like there's a lot more songs that I wish I could hear. Motionless, there's definitely some songs that I wish I could have heard live. But because of the nature of the Trinity of Terror, of it being, you know, a bunch two other bands that might not listen to Motionless and White, I understand why they didn't play songs like Hate Fuck, which is one of my favorite songs from Motionless and White, but I understand why they wouldn't do it, especially because Blackmail does tend to have a younger audience. But I, I would have loved things like Undead Ahead too because that song is also really good. But I get it. <laughs> I'm also partial to not my type, Dead as Fuck too. Oh, which yep, my Dead as Fuck songs. Ooh. Yeah, so it looks like <laughs> yeah. it looks like when they played Jersey in September, the songs that were on that set list that did not get played at Trinity of Terror were Soft, Dark Passenger, mm-hmm. Time Bomb, Creatures X to the Grave. If it's dead, we'll kill it. And synthetic love. Oh, synthetic love's also really good. good. (laughs) I would assume they didn't do Time Bomb because of the fact that they're working on for scoring the end of the world. And Time Bomb was a standalone single that was like seeing how people would feel about the new album style. But it's not on the new album, so I don't think they wanted to confuse people. So that song is also good because Ricky has amazing vocals. And anytime we get them, I get very excited. And then it looks like, you know, I'll just do a quick comparison. It looks like the songs for, for Motionless that they played at Trinity that I don't see on the September set list were Reincarnate, Rats, Cyber Hex, and Internally, uh, Eternally Yours. Internally Yours is a different thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cyber Hex would be because it was because it only came out like oh like a little bit before that. And then Rats, I was really surprised they played. But I was really happy they played it because I love the meaning of that song. And like that song is so good. And I, I just love like I've heard Chris talk about the meaning behind that song for him. And I just love the freedom it has. But it's also just sounds cool. So Rats and Reincarnate are so good. So I am glad that they played them. And then just a quick, quick comparison on the other bands for for Black Veil at Trinity songs that were not in their set list in november coffin shadows die wake up and in the end and then and then in november when they played the songs that were in that set list that were not at trinity were rebel love song goodbye agony overture torch there was was a drum solo i would love to have the overture again yeah Uh, the drum solo was good yeah, I, I like they. I think they tried to play it at the first show of Trinity of Terror, but then they the scheduling for especially. Didn't they say that the time for well, Trinity of Terror? The one in Mesa, Arizona, was an amphitheater, so I'm pretty sure they had like sound curfews basically, and they had to knock their sets back. Like everybody had 
a slightly longer set on the first night, and they had the drum solo in the first night, but it was too long, so they had to take it out. I'm sure Cece was both happy and sad about that, because one, he didn't have to kill himself doing a drum solo, but also he didn't get to have fun doing his drum solo, so... So, the drum solo that Cece does, I love, because that it went right into the legacy whenever we yeah. saw him, but speaking of songs that people may or may not play, and when Motionless comes back around and when we go to go see them, not if, when, because I know Charlie, <laughs> uh, the whole album has come out so we can hear Slaughterhouse live. I would I'm kill go to hear that barrel. song. I am going to punch someone in the throat when it happens because I love that thing. So Vinny's going to break his drum set. Like, I hope. It's going to happen. And then for, for Black Veil, there were two other songs, Wretched and Divine and Sweet Blasphemy were also played in November, <sighs> but not a trend. Yeah, I was really happy to hear Wretched and Divine live because that song's really good. But also the overture, because getting to hear Jinx play a full violin piece in a, like a big concert place was really fun. And he only got to do like a small little bit in the beginning of one of the songs on Ter- our Trinity of Terror. And I would literally just sit and watch him play violin for an entire set list, honestly. <laughs> Hearing all the songs that from Black Veil Live that I connected with really hard when I was in middle school, at like a really weird emotionally tumultuous or turmoil point in my life seeing it live i'm like i feel so validated now yeah <laughs> because it's so good and it's just like all the all like the emotions that i felt are like still kind of there with the music but i'm in a much better place to where it's like this is my happy music now yeah like oh my god and then just recapping ice nine i think we already said worst vacation it is the end and take your pick or play to trinity but not when they came through in november when they came through in november songs they played that were not on the trinity list were savages a rash decision <sighs> communion of the cursed farewell to flesh assault and batteries a grave mistake and thank god it's friday i would have loved Sav- to hear savages <laughs> savages thank god it's friday and oh there is one other one but it's okay I got I got bad memory, but I would have loved to hear Savages, especially because yeah. in the beginning when you hear that little that little like I don't know why I'm obsessed with it, but I am. Oh, I also <laughs> love a rash decision. That was the other one. I, that one's good, yeah. I love a rash decision. Like an edit of some of the lyrics was my lock screen for a few months. Uh, or my home screen for a few months a while ago because I just love that song so much. See, what was funny with with Ice Nine and with the two Silver Scream albums was was also not being very much of a horror movie person, trying to figure out what the fuck the songs were supposed to be as I was listening through the album. Like some of them are obvious, and other ones like, what is this? And then with you probably had a better chance than I did. <laughs> well, and with Silver Scream one, the one thing that I didn't quite understand was the inclusion of grave mistake because i really didn't consider the crow to be a horror movie and then also rocking the boat jaws like i know that more people than not i guess would consider jaws to be a horror movie but i never really considered that in that realm either and then i don't think in the modern era jaws is a horror movie but it was one of the first things and it's definitely like from my little understanding of horror this is Jaws is definitely a contextual of the time horror movie. I know I gave like several famous people a fear of the ocean. Yeah. Whenever they saw it. And I think, was it Steven Spielberg? It was someone who was either involved with the movie and then a couple other well-known actors were like, yeah, ever since I saw that, I don't go near the ocean at all. 
And then the other one, looking looking real quick at the at the track list of the first Silver Scream record, Edward Scissorhands. I I never saw that whole movie, but I don't it's know. not a horror movie. I think that one also fits with The Crow, where it's more of a gothic romance. It's like *Nightmare <laughs> Before Christmas* or *Corpse Bride*, but it's a really yeah. good movie. I love it so much. Uh, but I think people just misinterpret the vibes. They're like, oh, my God, yeah. the crow looks like this. It must be a horror movie. Edward Scissorhands. It's about a guy with scissors for hands. That's scary. Right? I don't know. I think that Spencer has a better handle, though, than that. That's <laughs> well, fair. I, I, the other thing is, if you listen to the lyrics of both of those songs, unlike the other ones, I don't think he interpreted them as horror movies. I think yeah. the reason they ended up in there is because they do have the spooky aesthetic and it was a lighter song to balance with it all. But yeah. also, the rest of the world does, con- or not the rest of the world, but like a lot of other people do consider those as horror movies, whether they've seen them or not. Like, I know I grew up and I was convinced that The Crow was this terrifying horror movie, so I'd never seen it, which honestly... Now that I've seen it, I'm a little mad that I didn't see it before. <laughs> I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. We watched it together, and I really, I really like that you that yeah. you like my favorite yeah. movie. And I, I still, mean, I still think of the uh, the Eliza thing, thing, by the way. Yeah, oh God, <laughs> I'm thinking about that? the Eliza thing too. <laughs> we gotta get Eliza engraved on your tombstone. <laughs> God, I'm still not over the. I got two knives. Has nine knives in his chest. Yeah. That, was, that movie was more of a comedy to me than anything else because of half the characters being wild as hell. The action scenes are kind of comedic. I will give yeah. it that. But it's the like overall Gremlins. story, I did love it. I do think it's a really wholesome story. But yeah, now on the Eliza thing for the listeners who can now make fun of me as well. When we were watching it, I was thinking of a grave mistake. And the beginning lyrics are, here lies a bride and groom. Or something similar to that. Realize a lifeless bride and groom. A lifeless, lifeless bride and groom. Forgot the really crucial word there, but I <laughs> misheard it the entire time as Eliza, lifeless bride and groom, which makes no sense. So I don't know why I was so deadly convinced that that was the words. And at the end of the movie, one of the things it's like dedicated to is someone named Eliza. And I was like, why did they put the dedication in the lyrics of the song? And Everyone in the room was like, Charlie, what the fuck are you talking about? And they haven't let me live it down. Hey, for... Charlie? Hey, yeah? Who's the killer in Halloween? Nope, I'm not. <laughs> Charlie, does, Charlie, for a while, you'd be like, who's the killer in Friday the 13th? And they would say Michael Myers. And then you ask who's the killer in the other movie, and they'd be like, Jason Voorhees. Hey, well, in my defense, Charlie, I've only seen the first Friday the 13th, so... Charlie, who is the killer in Friday the 13th? It is Jason Voorhees' mom. Ah, you would survive Scream then. I do better than Drew Barrymore. Spoilies. Who, who's credited as Spoilies the killer in Halloween again? Scream? What was that, Eli? What, what is the killer credited as in Halloween again? This was the, the one shape? that pissed you. Yeah, it is the shape. Yeah. Look at it. I'm going to have either this... the shape or the shadow, and I couldn't remember which it was. So You're going to have... All this useless horror movie trivia for movies you don't even care about. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't hey, know if you guys... If I ever get in a battle of trivia against Spencer Charnis, I might succeed. 
So I don't know if you guys sort of uh, romanticize the crow in the way that like people my age do. What do you feel about the fact that it might actually finally be getting remade? I don't think it should because I also have only seen the original movie and kind of refuse to watch the other things, even though I kind of want to know the storyline. But the actor who I can never remember his name sadly passed away who played Eric Draven. I'm in love with him completely and utterly. Brand, and I Brandon, feel like Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's son. Brandon Lee. Yeah, I don't think it would be nearly as good without him because he brought so much heart to Eric Draven's character. Like mixed it's, with the writing and everything else, I don't think it's gonna be good. So now I turn this to Eli because the the actor that if if this because they've been every few years they say it's getting remade and somebody else is being attached to it. The current uh, remake, the attached actor to play Eric Draven is Bill Skarsgård, who played it in the it played Pennywise. Yeah. In the it and so I'm wondering, Eli, what you think of that being the horror person of the group? I think it's essentially the same opinion that I had when I found out it was getting more movies of I am not going to expect anything good because I have just trained myself for media disappointment. So if it's bad, then I'm not disappointed. But if it's good, I'm pleasantly surprised. And, you know, it worked out kind of well with it. I suffered a crippling hyperfixation on it for the next like year <laughs> and a half but do you think this is a joke it's not well, i it know is... it wasn't i was there for that <laughs> were you there for the fan fiction i have a whole published fan fiction on ao3 that is i i an... was in fact there for the fan fiction we just weren't nearly as close then <laughs> yeah i like i like wrote that thing on the plane ride home from new mexico too i never saw <laughs> the the original it or the or the remakes like i said um, not much in the way of horror i've seen as far as the silver screen movies just real quick rundown i have seen uh i'm on the second one so we'll look at that first i've seen parts of the original child's play i've never seen psycho i've never seen pet cemetery i've seen most of the resident evil movies i've never seen american psycho my bloody valentine i saw the first hellraiser and decided that was enough and never needed to watch any of the other ones <laughs> Never saw The Fly, never saw Hostel, never saw Evil Dead, never saw Candyman. Original Silver Scream, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, I saw the reboot, and I saw New Nightmare and Freddy vs. Jason. I never saw any of the other ones. Friday the 13th, I saw the entire Bro. original. I've seen the entire original franchise except for Part 5 and the remake. Halloween, I've seen the original one and two, and the... Most recent, you know, Halloween, uh, it was just called Halloween again. 2018. Yeah, I didn't see I, I didn't see the sequel. I started watching Halloween Kills and fell asleep, not because it was boring, but because I was tired and haven't tried to watch it's it again. so good. Uh, Texas Chainsaw, I've never seen. Saw, I've never seen. Crow is my favorite movie, uh, or, or one of them at least. Jaws, I've seen one and two. Shining, I've never seen. Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses and Three from Hell, I've seen all of those. Edward Scissorhands, I've never seen. Silent Night, Deadly Night, I've never seen. American Werewolf in London, never seen. It, never seen. And I've seen the first three Scream movies. Okay, New Nightmare, I will not begrudge you that, because I fucking love Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I know a lot of people hate it. I'm obsessed with it. But Elm Street and Elm Street 3 are, like, Elm Street 1, okay, 
sure I could see the arguments for not liking it, but I think Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors was just such a fantastic sequel. And it was like the first Elm Street movie that I had seen. I hadn't watched one by the time that I was watching part three. So just the fact that some people haven't seen it or don't like it always whacks me out because I forget that normal people watch movies normally and not the way that I watch them, which is stupid. Elm Street was like my first, like the first horror series that I had watched though by myself. And so it always is going to have a little place in my heart. Friday the 13th, I'm a little bitch for summer camp stories. I love them so much. So if you look at me and say, hey, this is a horror or slasher movie that has a summer camp in it, I'm going to be watching it. It's the same reason that I watched, fuck, what is it? I can't even, you know what, if I remember it, I'll tell you. Halloween, four, you could live without four, five, and six. They're very weird. Halloween three is fantastic. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. If they disagree <laughs> with you, they are wrong, and they don't understand what good cinema is, and they just want to fuck Michael Myers, whether they'll admit it or not. Halloween 2018 <laughs> and Halloween Kills also fantastic movies i think it was a really good way for them to bring back the series without like beating a dead cow in the reboots i don't like the rob zombie reboots they suck um we were over that on the last show (laughs) yeah we went over that on the last show people might actually fight you for saying you don't like a rob zombie thing because i know people (laughs) gush over his movies well let them fight me texas chainsaw (laughs) heart and soul i love the first one and i've watched some of the more recent ones but i haven't gotten around to like part two yet which is like apparently the second one is like really good and it's it's like a campy black car kind of thing saw i have problems when it comes to saw i know i say that i have problems a lot but i viewed saw essentially the same way that i viewed it so no matter what you ask of me it is going to be biased towards watching it but obviously you know if you can't handle the idea of saw don't watch saw the crow was very good i love it it is genuinely such a good movie jaws i haven't watched since i was a kid but we actually used to watch it every summer which now i think is maybe we shouldn't have done that that's weird (laughs) I'm going to be honest with Andrew, not to interrupt, the only reason I saw Jaws is because my younger son, Alan, really, really wanted to start watching them. And so we watched the first two, maybe we watched the third one, I don't remember, but we definitely didn't watch four, and I don't remember if we watched three or not. And it was funny because that movie came out at a time where the PG-13 rating didn't exist. So where there there was that bit in the first one where there was tits. And I was like, all right, well, I guess you get to see tits for a second. That's what happened when I watched Twilight. Uh, nope, not Twilight. Titanic for the first song. I don't think there were tits in Twilight. I never saw it, but I might have if there were tits. <laughs> no. Oh, it would have been better if there was tits. I there, can confirm like, uh, less Jacob tit and more. What's her? What's the one person's name? Alice. Alice. Oh, Alice. God. Mommy, <laughs> you me. look like an Alice bitch. Like I don't know if my dad just like kept putting it on when it was like on tv because we had cable or if like one of my sisters would always put it on but i've seen jaws more than i think most people have which is weird back to my back to this little list the shining oh the book mamma mia that is one of my favorite books i fucking hate the movie though devil's rejects i surprisingly have not seen 
Edward Scissorhands, I have seen because I went through like a big Tim Burton phase when I was a child. Um, and I really liked it. Silent Night, Deadly Night, haven't seen, but I have seen the clip where he says, it's garbage day. And so I'm, I'm waiting to watch it with my roommates because my roommate showed me that clip. American Werewolf in London, I haven't seen it. I have seen the miniseries. I've seen both movies. And I actually sat through and read that fucking monstrosity. Here's here's my word of advice. If you watch it and you think, man, this is really good. I should read the books. Don't. <laughs> I, I said books, plural, but there's only one. As someone who sat two. through... <laughs> it should have been zero. Um, <laughs> as someone who sat through all 1,100 pages of it, who... If you asked me, if you got me in the right mood, I could sit down, pluck out X, Y, Z pieces of evidence. I could tell you in excruciating details what scenes I liked, what scenes I'm glad were cut out, like that horrible child orgy at the end, and what scenes I wish had made it into the movies, like the fucked up Razor vampire. As someone who has felt the urge multiple times in the past year alone to sit through and reread that entire book while also annotating it. Don't read the book. It is not worth it to put yourself through that kind of trauma. Good God. (laughs) I might not read that book, but I just need to, I was having this discussion with somebody else recently. I need to read more books. They had posted like, Oh, I signed up for Goodreads or whatever the site is 12 years ago. And I've only read 600 books in 12 years. And that's not enough. I was like, I I'm lucky if I've read fucking 12 books in 12 years. (laughs) I mean, I can give you recommendations. I mean, I still have, I I mean, I will accept them, but I also still have just a bunch of stuff here that I need to bully you into reading. Got it. Yes, dear. <laughs> but like I'm still I've been in the middle of uh Randy from Lamb of God's memoir because the only time I read is when there's no power or or no internet. And so I started Randy uh from Lamb of God's memoir about being locked up in the Czech Republic probably 3 years ago and I'm only about halfway through just because I only read when when there's no TV or internet. <laughs> God. What is that like? Right? Like, I just, like, read for fun, whether that's fan fiction, autobiographies, or fiction books. Like, One thing I really wanted to touch on for this is that this is not related to books or movies, although I have seen some of these movies. Pretty good, pretty weird. But but the Tragedy of Terror Tour, I watched several people get dropped on their heads crowd surfing. And at the end of the show, I walked by this one girl who was sitting on the ground. She's like 12 or 13. And like her friends are out. I'm like, are you good? And she said, yeah, I got dropped on my head three times crowd surfing. But like, I'm still having fun. And I was just like, wow, you are a warrior. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, the crowd surfing was rough. And I know like even like the other day, Spencer Charnas tweeted something about like basically being mad at security guards now doing their jobs and not like catching crowd surfers and stuff and just letting them get dropped on concrete so i definitely think in the second leg that i i mean i don't know how much like the bands have control over that of just like talking to security being like this is something that's going to happen do your best or whatever because like i know like chris was talking about how he was really concerned because he saw a bunch of people get dropped and like there was just a lot of crowd surfing going on at the the philly show but you know People have more bravery than I. I would never want to crowd surf. That sounds like an awful time, and I'd be too scared the 
entire time. But like, uh, I literally saw one person go up onto the crowd and down and back up again, dropped on some lady and then back, back up. Again. Yeah, people were not paying attention. I feel like a lot of people at the Trinity Terror Show were like myself and not having any idea of how to deal with crowd surfers. Yeah. I think Charlie and Yarl might already know this because I think I talked about it when we went to North Carolina. But I have crowd surfed exactly once in my whole concert career and there was no barricade. So you had to get up on the stage and then stage dive. And I fucking tripped in front of the front man for trophy eyes. I tripped and I skinned my knee on this stupid carpet that they had. And then I had to turn around and jump back out. And it's like, damn. This is embarrassing. <laughs> There's a video yeah. of Chris Motionless having something similar where the guy went to like go save and dive back into the crowd and then like got really anxious about it and then like second guessed himself. And Chris is laughing so hard he could not continue with the song. God. <laughs> I, I've never crowd surfed because I have always been fat and then had a back injury closest thing that i've ever done to that i don't know if i've mentioned it on the show i know i've told charlie the story was prior to my back injury and sort of hearkening back to what we were talking about earlier about just being packed in like sardines at a show in 2004 i went to i believe it was the jägermeister music tour it was slipknot and fear factory as the headliners chimera and sworn enemy as the openers and i was right in the front up against the barricade roseland ballroom it was February, I think, and it was fucking freezing outside. But everybody was packed in so tightly at that show that I was sweating my fucking balls off and I thought I was going to pass out. And had I passed out, I would not have fallen over because there was so much pushing and, and so much just pressure that I would have just been unconscious on my feet. And so it eventually became too much. And so I sort of motioned for the security guard to help pull me out, but didn't actually crowd surf. I was already right in the front and he pulled me out and promptly dropped me flat on my back. So it's a good thing I didn't have a back injury at the time. And then I just watched the rest of the show from the back where it was a little bit cooler and I could fucking breathe. Yeah. I am pretty sure at Trinity of Terror, whatever, uh, during my emotionless set, Chris, I think he said like bounce or jump or something. And so everyone started doing it. And at one point, I felt my heel had stepped on someone's foot. And I was going to turn around to say I'm sorry, but there was just so many people like, fuck it, we'll keep going. If they hit me in the back of the head, I deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah. like when we, that's like when we went to In This Moment two weeks ago or whatever that three weeks ago there was a girl next to me who just kept bumping into me and then apologizing and like i'm, I'm thinking to myself like kind of like i said before with with casey touching melissa mangan's ass like it comes with being at a show like and i was wondering like has this chick never been at a show before that she's so concerned that she keeps bumping into me it, it happens i mean like i think i would probably have been in the same boat as her except that my first show with the black veil concert and in this moment coincidentally where we were standing was kind of more out of the way because i was still nervous so i was kind of easing myself in and i'd seen a lot of people bumping into each other so by the time i was actually in a crowd i was like ah this is just how it is but like if you aren't certain like my friend emerson was there for the first time seeing their first show they were a lot more concerned about bumping into people so I feel like that's just something that like maybe it was like a newer show like she'd never been to a show before or it was like one of her first maybe her first after the pandemic which people are I'm assuming differently acting slightly so like I, I mean I kind of get it well there are definitely some people who are more concerned with it than others yeah, yeah. but um 
Well, like, I mean, if I hadn't watched Black Veil and watched the crowd from where I was when I first saw them, I probably would be the same person trying to constantly apologize. Well, right. And then, that's, well, that's who I and am. then, and then your second show a week later was Overkill, Sworn Enemy, and, and fucking Demolition, Demolition Hammer. Hammer. Yeah, that one was wild. <laughs> At the Overkill show, I, I saw the, the mosh pit from where we were. There was a man who I watched go from being upright, just moshed around. Suddenly his legs are in the air, still moving in a circle somehow with the crowd, then back down, and he was upright again. So that was an, an awesome mosh pit to just witness. I like how you're saying yeah. that's awesome, and I'm sitting there going, "That was terrifying." I'm just, and I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking that I didn't easy win at all. I just fucking went full bore. Just. <laughs> I love that show. Though, yeah. Specifically for Demolition Hammer. I think seeing that show directly after Black Veil Brides is the funniest thing I could have done. Zero to hundred. <laughs> yeah. Real quick. Yeah, because like Black Veil and in this moment, they're crowds like because of how they were together their crowd was like pretty chill like there was maybe one spot that maybe had something that could vaguely be called the pit but not really and then overkill was the complete opposite it goes from a band that's like we're all friends we're all living this life together that we all have hope and belief in each other then directly to a show where demolition hammer said the only way to see this show is with a bullet in your fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> and talking about how we're all going to die and, like, you should kill people. And I don't think he endorsed killing people, but he's like, something, something, kill yourself. And then just people going, wow. Yeah, it was a great time, that's for sure. Oh. I also got a beer spilled on me at that show, is, so I feel like I'm a true rocker now. Yeah. This is such this and such caliber brain surgery. I think it was 45 caliber. Yep. That is my favorite song from them now. You have a favorite song? Yes. Yes, I do. And it's the one we're talking about <laughs> blowing his own brains out because it was so random. Yeah. And then Overkill, after Demolition Hammer, is talking about, I'm from Jersey. Our guitarist is from California. Get out of my state. Something, something. Big egg, bacon, egg, and cheese. Yeah. It was oh, the time. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm glad I had that experience, but man, do I not know what to do with it. Yes. Yeah, so I saw your I saw your TikTok earlier. I wonder who those sexy guys were that that attended with you. Oh, could never guess. <laughs> All righty. Well, we've kind of we've kind of I don't want to say we've gone off the rails, but we've gone off topic and we've been recording for about an hour and a half at this point. So I think that I think that this might be a good place to uh, to call it. I know at the at the end of the last episode, we had said what we were going to next. And I assume that since this is only a week later, that none of that has changed. So instead of scrambling to to ask you guys after the fact, do you guys want to plug any any social media or anything so that people know where to find you if they care to do so? Uh, on my social media is pretty much every platform. I'm the chameleon with an underscore between the and chameleon and two underscores after. Instagram is charlie the chameleon with an underscore between each word. Other than that, I think that covers kind of all the basic bases. I've got an Instagram, which is Elijah.jpg, but I got a Y in my name, so it's E-L-Y-J-A-H dot J-P-G, JPEG, because it's a photo sharing site. I only have a private Twitter. Sorry, if you use Tumblr still, because unfortunately I'm chronically unable to stop using Tumblr, you could follow me at knife-jpg, but guess what? There's a Y in that one, too. (laughs) And... (laughs) It's K-N-Y-F-E dash J-P-G. I have 
social medias, but I don't use them at all. The one you'll probably see me on the most is Twitter. And if you want to hear my insane ramblings about how frustrated I am at work, stupid memes or random stuff that comes to mind, go to Twitter and follow Dad's Foot Stank. <laughs> I, I somehow no underscores, not... no periods, just Dad's Foot Stank. <laughs> I am somehow not following that yet, so I will have to. Oh my god. I mean, I did notice that you changed your Facebook photo recently. Yes, I did. Because he doesn't work at Target anymore. The only reason why I had my Facebook photo, which was a skeleton with a shopping cart that said, excuse me while I dissociate in Target, is because I worked at Target. And, you know, since I don't work there now, there's no need for it. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, you'll get all the J Bunny Music Hub plugs in the outro. We do have that TikTok now, which I, I just mentioned seeing Charlie's TikTok because I, I made that since the last episode. So keep an eye on that. Although I think that I might leave most of that uh, TikToking to the youth. <laughs> you laugh, but you laugh, but you're you're the youth. <laughs> I am the youth. It's okay. We'll fill the TikTok full of internet trends and, and dances. And hopefully get more ears on this podcast of chaos. We will we'll yeah. get the guys, the uh what's his name from Slayer, the lead singer, Tom Araya. Tom Araya. Yeah, we'll get him uh busting it down sexual style. We'll get cool. him working on TikTok. That's what we'll do. Oh Lord. <laughs> All right, see now now and and it's a terrible idea. I can't imagine I can't I can't believe I am actually saying this because I don't know if my unhealthy spine can even hold up to attempting to twerk, but I feel like the next time that I'm in the bunny costume, that might need to be a thing. Uh, We can make that happen. Yes, I will make (laughs) it. We'll get you doing all the TikTok dances in the bunny suit. Yeah, but it has to be with Rob Zombie's uh, Dracula in the back. Oh, yeah. Shaking it to whatever speed metal you want. We'll have the bunny suit version of Jay dancing to Lizzo's song, the one that's been trending on TikTok recently. Yes, I'm sure that'd be great. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, unless I make a special, unless I make a special dress-up, bunny costume is still two and a half months away. <laughs> I got a list then. Alrighty, well, I want to, just like last time, I want to thank you guys for, for your time and indulging my my bullshit and uh can't wait to to see you all and talk to you all again yeah thanks for having us yeah it's always fun yeah yeah. i like like talking about metal and bullshit (laughs) (laughs) why would you talk about bullshit that's how it smells i know right (laughs) run in the evidence where evil is taking up residence no faith in what red and what will say they save the truth for a rainy day
And from the album The Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horrorwood, that was Ice Nine Kills with Rainy Day. Earlier in the episode, we also had from the Black Veil Brides album The Phantom Tomorrow, Born Again. I want to thank Charlie, Jarl, and Eli for being on the show. They already gave you all their social media earlier, so make sure to give them a follow. Also, don't forget to follow J Bunny's Music Hub on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon if you're so inclined. And also, don't forget if you believe in supporting music like I do by buying it, you can also follow Industry Embers at Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget to tweet or post your music purchases with the hashtag #BuyMusic. B-U-Y, or it's by music, B-Y-E. Now, we recorded this episode, like, three fucking weeks ago, and between life getting, well, all kinds of life getting in the way, I was recently sick, it's just been a, a lovely fucking time. So I'm finally getting these edits complete on this episode, and as of today, they did announce a second leg of the Trinity of Terror tour, and none of us correctly guessed who the opening act is going to be, which is going to be Crown the Empire. So hopefully we will be able to go out to the show in Scranton, Pennsylvania and check out Trinity of Terror Tour once again. As for what else is next for me and for the podcast, I do have some emails out for requests. I had a podcast that I was supposed to record last week that I had to cancel because I was sick, so hopefully we can get that rescheduled. Always things on the horizon here. So I think that that is about it. Before I let you guys go, I'm going to leave you once again with a song. Now, we have touched on all of the bands so far that played Trinity of Terror, except the band that headlined the show that we saw in Philly. So, from the new album, Scoring the End of the World, and thank you so much to Charlie for providing me with a copy of the album. I greatly appreciate it. It's the first single from Scoring the End of the World by Motionless and White. This is Cyberhex. Until next time, guys. Eliminate threat. I pull the sun from the sky to freeze the.